words to that last song, Winter Snow, really struck me. Not that we were having snow today, but on a softly falling rain. That the Lord would come in a, in a soft and gentle way, with a, a slowness, a quiet voice. And you may have picked up the words that said he did not come in, in, in the case of the, the song, a bush burning. He didn't come, he didn't speak to us in a burning bush. And if you're like me, if you caught that, you may be thinking, well, wait a minute. He did speak to us in a burning bush. He spoke to Moses in a burning bush. And then he goes on to say the words in the song, and, and he didn't speak to us in a rushing wind. And you may be thinking of Elijah and thinking, okay, well, he didn't speak in the rushing wind to Elijah. And he didn't speak in the earthquake. But God has spoken through the wind throughout Scripture because the wind often refers to his Holy Spirit. So you may be wondering, what, what was behind the writer of this song? Why would those have been some of the things highlighted? And what is, what is the Lord wanting to tell us about this, that this morning? Well, it's, it's almost Christmas. And so it would just be out of character, perhaps. Certainly unexpected to not talk about the Christmas story this morning. So I want to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. The very beginning, chapter 1. We have been through a lengthy study of Luke and the first part of Acts. But last Christmas, we spent time at looking at Matthew's account of the Christmas story. And today, I want to look at look with you and listen for the Lord to speak to us through Luke's account. Kind of come back full circle. Again, we're in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her, in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, there are a couple of things, depending on the translation you're reading, that I want to highlight to you very quickly so that the flow of the message this morning will make sense to you. One of those is that in verse 28, 
I'm reading out of the New Inter International Version, and I'm recognizing that in two places this morning, what I read to you is translated differently than it is in a couple of other common translations. In this one, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. In some, it speaks of, of the one who is blessed. But the emphasis on this verse, I want you to catch because it is the favored one status that the angel is, is pointing out. You who are highly favored. And then at the end of our passage, in verse 37, most translations would, would state it the way, or state it the way you're probably more familiar with hearing it, for nothing is impossible with God. The NIV, the NIV and a couple of others translate it as for no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. Hold on to those two things as we go through the, the service. But I want to come back for just a minute to the, to the song we were singing and my, my highlighting to you that, that the author of the song was trying to get us to recognize that sometimes God speaks and comes to us in a very still, small, quiet voice. A gentle way, just like a winter snow falling. Now, sometimes that's the way it is with winter snow falling. But if you've been paying attention to the news this past week, you might know that there was a particular place where the snow made a little bit greater sound than just quietly falling. It wasn't the normal storm of a nor'easter, but did you catch the news reports of the snow that fell not too far from where certain people are from? If you were to track the storm that went up the East Coast, you might have known that a particularly heavy band of snow fell, wet, heavy snow, from somewhere around the central part, north, north central part of Pennsylvania, all the way up into New Hampshire. And when I say a little bit of snow fell, well, the reports are that more like 40 plus inches fell in a very short period of time. They said the rate of snow coming down was anywhere from four to six inches an hour for multiple hours. Imagine, imagine that kind of snow coming down. I don't know if you, again, I don't know if you saw the pictures. I had fun kind of Googling and, and checking it out to see what all was there. And you could see a lot of snow. <laughs> you could not see a lot of other things because the snow, frankly, had just buried everything. And I mentioned it was not like a northeaster, be a nor'easter, because the violent storm wasn't evident. It really was a slow-moving storm. It really was, in a lot of ways, a quiet, gentle storm coming through. It just dumped a lot of snow. It would be one of those that you might say came with a quiet voice, but carried a big stick. It just kept snowing. It struck me as I began to think about what it must have been like to be in Mary's shoes that something like this storm might have had the same impact on her. The angel Gabriel came and spoke to her and she was startled. You can imagine an angel coming and speaking to you. You'd be startled. And yet, the angel wasn't criticizing. The angel wasn't 
demanding something. The angel wasn't speaking of an upcoming punishment. The angel was delivering good news. But it was a quiet moment. Mary was not in the temple. And that's normally where the people of God at that time would have experienced. They would have been expecting to be with throngs of other people and maybe a big to-do when God came in their midst through the, the person of an angel. But in this case, God visited Mary in Galilee in an out-of-the-way place with not much of a reputation at all, a little town of Nazareth. And He simply came as an angel with a very powerful message. That message, in fact, would have been like a deep pile of snow. It would have certainly gotten her attention. It certainly would have impacted her in a major way. And it would have spoken of the power behind a storm that maybe you couldn't see coming. This is a part of the, the message that Luke's trying to tell us as he narrates his version of the announcement of Jesus coming. He visits this, this virgin, this young lady that we know nothing about. He gives us no information of her credentials. He doesn't talk about her family. He doesn't talk about what she's accomplished. He simply says she was a virgin. And he met her in this out-of-the-way town in Galilee. And yet he says... You are favored. You are favored. Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What was he talking about? What was he trying to convey to her? When the text tells us, when the, when the scripture tells us that she wasn't really sure what to make of this greeting, you can imagine. Why am I highly favored? Why are you visiting me? What is this about? And the angel says, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. He didn't come with an idea that he wanted to propose to her. He didn't come with a suggestion to make. He came telling her a very definite message and he told it, in very powerful words. These things will happen. Now the weather forecasters, at least from the news reports that I read, all throughout central Pennsylvania and upstate New York, really missed this forecast. They didn't tell the people, you're going to get this kind of snow. It was, some reports said, 16 inches more than were forecast. A message was delivered, but the weight of it was not fully grasped. We're left to wonder how Mary took this message, at least in this part of the story. The angel goes on to tell her more about it. He says, this will be one who is called the Son of the Most High God. That God will give him the throne of his father David. There's references, and you know this from your, your, your hearing and, and maybe study of this in the past. 
He's referring back to the Old Testament. Mary would have known the Old Testament, at least in, in broad terms, and the angel is referring back so that she'll recognize his, his message. She'll recognize what he's speaking of. All the way back in 2 Samuel, if you were to look there, you would find God promising David that he would continue his, his house. You may remember that, that David had wanted to build. They had finally settled down in, the, in Jerusalem and David, the kingdom had all been you know, consolidated or united together and, and it occurs to David, well, I'm living in this great palace and the Lord's still in the tent. And he says, I want to I want to build you a house. And the Lord has to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't need the house. I don't need you to build me a house. And then he turns around and says, in fact, I'm going to, I'm going to make a house for you. And he's not talking about an actual house. What he's talking about is I'm going to build a legacy for you. I'm going to build the house of David. I'm going to do that. The Lord is telling David. And he's referencing what would happen hundreds of years later. That's what the angel Gabriel is speaking of here. God promised it. And now you're going to be a part of His answer. We think of Mary hearing these words and wondering what did this mean? And the angel reaches out to say, let me help you. Let me give you a prophecy you would have known. Let me tell you, remind you of something God has promised. He will fulfill this. And he uses the language again that she might have known from the scriptures. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary does probably what anybody would have done. What? How would this happen? Now she's not, she's not arguing She's not questioning like I don't believe you. She's just simply recognizing the reality that she's a virgin. And while she's engaged, maybe even in a much deeper way than we talk about being engaged today, she's really committed to this man already. Finances have been exchanged in between families, so it's significant. She's connected to Joseph already. Still, she's a virgin. How is this going to happen? But she, she's not questioning. She's just simply wanting information. And he tells her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Again, this will happen. This is what God through the Holy Spirit will do. And he's going to do it so that there's no question as to where he came from. He's come from God and he'll be called the son of God and as if again to try to help her he gives her a sign even though she didn't ask for one and he says even now Elizabeth your relative in her old age is going to deliver a child how in the world does somebody does a woman of old age get pregnant in the first place let alone deliver a child how could this be? How can a virgin conceive? How can an old woman conceive? And yet, the angel is saying she's already conceived. You're going to find out when you meet her that she's already pregnant. 
and it will be a sign to you. For nothing is impossible with God or for no word from God will ever fail. What he's trying to say is that when God promises something, you can count on it even if you don't understand it. Even if it's bizarre. Even if it's beyond your expectations. Even if it makes no sense in the current context you're living in. I can't help but wonder how this story and how this story speaks to us as we come near the end of 2020. I can't help but wonder what does the Lord have to say to us? As we're looking hopefully to the future, we're looking hopefully into 2021, but the reality is we know we still have the effects, a lot of the effects of 2020. What are we to do with this? Well, I highlighted a couple of verses to you earlier because they're significant for us to remember. When the angel said to Mary, you who are highly favored, the words in the original that we use and translate as you're highly favored, well, those words Paul repeats when he's talking to the Ephesian church. If you were to look in Ephesians, you'd find out that in the first chapter, you'd find out that Paul is saying the same thing. He says, to the praise of His glorious grace which has been freely given us in the, our, in the one He loves. In other words, you're highly favored as well. There's something in Mary that is the beginning of a different kind of blessing, a different kind of favor that God's putting on His people. All of those of us who would listen, all of those who, of us who would receive this this blessing would be highly favored because there's no one like Him and there's no impact like He has. And when He says there's nothing, no word from God that will ever fail or nothing is impossible, obviously He's answering a, a young woman who, who never would have dreamed this was possible to her. But the message is for us to listen to the miracles that God has done throughout the ages. The message for us is to listen to not only did He do something impossible then, but the fact that He's gone on to pour out His Spirit in us, the fact that He raised Jesus from the dead, the fact that this one is now reigning and fulfilling the promise that God gave us, and therefore the Spirit at work in us is also a fulfillment of the promise He gave us is to say to you and me, even when we've been through something like we've just been through, something unimaginable, something none of us saw coming, God says to us, I am still the one on the throne. My son is still reigning from on high. And you can still believe the promises that I've made. Now maybe you haven't questioned that. Maybe that has not actually been a question you've had in your mind. But if you're like me, if you're like a lot of us, you've probably had questions in your mind like, where is all of this from 2020 going to end? It's changed us. It's changed us in a lot of ways. And in fact, it's probably changed us in ways that we're not going back. There are things happening in our country and culture that make us wonder, what is the future? 
do we still have the promises of God? Can we still count on those promises? You and I as followers of Jesus? Sure we can. But do we carry that with us as we face each of these challenging trials? Or do we find ourselves really getting concerned and perhaps anxious about the effects? Do we find ourselves thinking, this should never have happened? What do we need to do to prevent this from ever happening again? Even though the same Word that has given us these promises have told us the living Word, we're going to have trouble in this world. Well, we got it, don't we? And yet we find ourselves struggling. It's not supposed to be this way. What do we need to do to change this? What do we need to do to prevent it? I'm not suggesting to you this morning that we just roll over. I'm not suggesting to you that we stop working for good things. I'm not suggesting to you that we just look at a problem, whatever we face, and say, oh well, it's fine. God will work it out. He still wants us to partner just like He wanted Mary to partner with Him. Hear this. He said these things will happen, but she had to agree. Mary had to be a partner with this. Now you might argue, well surely God knew this before He asked her. I won't argue with you in that. Nevertheless, Mary had to say yes. You may remember that when He came to Zechariah, John the Baptist's son, their father, and He said to him the similar kind of thing, you're going to have a child. Your old wife is going to have a son? Zechariah didn't believe him. And there was punishment inflicted. Gabriel, bam! Zechariah couldn't speak. So there's not just, I'm going to do this, whether you're a part of it or not. There's, I'm going to do this. Will you be a partner with me? I mention that to you because that's the same calling and invitation you and I have today. We've been talking about what does it look like for the kingdom of God to come? What does it look like for us to show the kingdom of God to others? Well, it looks like us recognizing who the king is and that we partner with him. Which means we have to know and live out what he's called us to do in a trusting way really committing ourselves that no matter what happens, no matter what challenges we face, no matter what obstacles are thrown at us, no matter what happens in the much larger society in which we live, we're still going to believe and we're still going to act and live out our lives as if the promises are true. That all these things that happen, well, frankly, they shouldn't shake us in the way they do everyone else if we're listening and believing that the same one who said he would and did is the one who said he will and we're living proof of it this is the way we show the kingdom when we live according to the promises of God even though no one around us can see them this is the way we reveal who the king is when we take his word and we live it out 
we're going to have some anxiety. I get that. But is our anxiety tempered? Is the way in which the things that happen politically, economically, socially, when these things happen to us, how do we interpret them and how do we respond to them? Now, most of us won't acknowledge or admit to each other maybe some of the wonderings and thoughts we've had in our heads. Or maybe some of the reactions that we've had to these things when we have had violent emotions inside and these things must change. Is it possible that God is wanting to work through these changes? Is it possible that God is wanting to reveal Himself and His way of being and what it means to live in His kingdom through you and me? Is it possible that what God is looking for is, to, is for us to say again, even in the midst of substantial challenges, you're still my God and I still believe your promises and I'm still going to act based on that trust that you have earned and established with me. So we come back to the Christmas story and we come back to the still small voice and we come back to the humble manger and we should ask ourselves what are we celebrating? What are we anticipating? What impact has this one made on us? And what do we have to tell others about it? When we sing, when we celebrate, when we exchange gifts in the way of an example of the gift God has given us, do we do it as people who believe in our actions? Do we do it as people who leave, lead our lives in the, in the way that Mary did? Lord, I don't understand how you're going to bring us through. And I may ask you, I may wonder, how are you going to do this? But I don't doubt in my heart. Because you're still the God who promises to bring us through. You're still the God who made good on the promises you've already given us to bring a child, a king, through the most unexpected circumstances. You're still a God who no matter what the world throws at us will see us through to the fulfillment of your kingdom. Friends, that's the invitation for us to hear that and to believe it more than just in our minds. To believe that more than just in our hearts. To believe it in the way we live it out. So that those who don't know can actually see it. But for that to happen, we have to come back to that manger. We have to come back to that gift that He's given us. We have to come back and accept the fact that we simply can't know what it's going to look like. But we know the one who's promised is true and faithful. And so we live accordingly. This is the good news of Christmas. The promises of God stand because the one who makes them is faithful. 
This is the reality of such a bizarre story. If it were to happen in your life or mine today. But no more bizarre than for you and I to serve a king we can't see in a kingdom that isn't evident unless we make it evident. This is Christmas. This is the gift. This is the one who comes and says, I'll work through you. I'll work in you and through you if you'll let me. If you'll partner with me. And I'll bring my kingdom. All are welcome. Will you? Will you hear with ears to hear? Will you hear with a determined willingness to trust? Will you hear with confidence that He will bring us through no matter what we face? Maybe not in the way we're expecting. But He will make good on His promise to never leave us and always be with us and to bring us into the new life He's promised. Can you take that? Can I take that promise and carry it forward?